This is the Sideline Perspective Podcast, where we tackle the roller coaster ride that is injury and retirement from competitive sports. Buckle up as we dive into the real topics facing sideline athletes today. I'm your host, Mackenzie St. Ange. Let's talk. Hey, total teammates, we've got another episode of the Sideline Perspective podcast coming at you today. We're talking with Avital Shimko on the topic of patience. Avital is a World Cup mogul skier on the national team. She's 24 years old from the Upper West Side of Manhattan and has been competing since the age of six out of Stratton, Vermont. She now lives in Park City, Utah to be able to train with the U.S. Ski and Snowboard team. She's had a different journey than most of her teammates, as you can imagine, coming all the way from New York City, and patience has played a big role in her career. Today's episode features more about Avatal and her story, how her patience has grown throughout her career, and what has brought her to where she is now. Avatal, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really excited to talk to you about the topic of patience. Um, Let's dive into it first with how do you define patience and do you consider yourself a patient person? So I would say patience to me is the ability to wait for what you want uh, and really like prioritizing because I don't feel like some things necessarily need to take patience. Um, And I would say that I'm not a patient person Mm -hmm. most of the time. Like when I want something and I like set my mind to it, I like I'll do anything I can to do that with like, if I want to buy something, if I want to like achieve something, I'm like, once I think of it, like I'm out the door, like trying to do it. But with like things that I've prioritized, like, um, skiing and injury, like the stuff that's really important and stood out, like somehow I've managed to create patience and I've never realized I was like a patient person until you kind of brought it up to me. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, when I think about someone who has demonstrated it in their career, like you are certainly top of mind with all that you've been through and, and we'll definitely dive into your journey and, and the patience that has grown and that um, has taken to get through kind of to where you are today. But um, aside from processing through your injuries and, and the patience that took, what um, aspects of being a mogul skier have you found take patience um, even when healthy? Um, one healthy, I would say goals take patience, like setting goals and you have long-term goals and short-term goals. So long-term ones obviously take patience. And with those goals, you also have like that feeling of delayed gratifications when you hit those goals. So I think like that's a huge part of hitting those. And I have like moments that I specifically remember, like, so we have the North American Cup Tour, which is Canada and America. And you compete to like, you want to win the tour. If you win the tour, you get spot in the US ski team, which I tried to do like for years prior to making the ski team. And in 2015, I got fifth overall in the Noram tour. 2006, no, 2016, I got fifth overall in the Noram tour. 2017, I got third overall in the Noram tour. 2018, I won the Noram tour. So I think that was like just a lot of patience. Like I was so close for so long. And actually the year that I got third overall on the tour, I almost won it the last day and I just lost a duel and it was like super emotional, but I think it actually made me like a better athlete and like really made me want it like that much more. And 
be able to look back and see what I did wrong. And yeah, I remember that day being really crazy. Um, and then when healthy, what else? I would say making the ski team was a big one. Um, that kind of ties into that winning the Noriam tour. Mm-hmm. Um, actually one that a lot of people don't think of, um, as being a healthy athlete that takes patience is traveling. Mm-hmm. We spend like hours upon hours on planes, like yeah. every other week we're spending like 14 hours on a plane and I'm not a big movie goer. So I would say like, just like sitting there, all I do is listen to music, look through old photos and just like think or write. And that has actually really made me have to be patient. <laughs> no kidding. I, yeah. That's a really good one to bring up. Um, especially because like, you just want to be there because you're, you're traveling to a competition, you're traveling to go do the thing that you love, um, you know, whatever it may be. And yeah, that, that desire to just, you know, time travel or teleport over to somewhere is I'm sure. Yeah. You're so excited to be there and you're like thinking about the event and what the course is going to be like. You just have to like sit there in your seat with like some random person next to you, (laughs) you you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, but it ties into exactly what you're saying before is like, um, you know, you, you set a goal and all of a sudden you just want to like go after it. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and that the patience that that takes and, and the process that it takes to go through it and, and recounting those different um, NORAM, you know, events and, and how you progress through them. And it, and it seemed like learning from each one and reflecting on the fact that maybe it's it's made you the athlete that you are today and that that growth, you know, was a path that was really valuable for you, even though it maybe took more time than you would have liked. Yeah, I, I maybe didn't realize that at the time, but I think like all that time was really beneficial for me and the athlete I am today. Yeah. Just being that mature athlete. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you make the team, um, you're named to the U S ski team dream come true, really exciting. And then you kind of go through this first season and then you're faced with this injury, this injury that starts, you know, off as one thing and grows into another. Will you just kind of walk us through, um, briefly a synopsis of some of that timeline for you? Yeah. So I made the ski team in April, 2018. And then that August, I got injured. And I thought that that injury would, I had total hopes of competing the next year because August to like January, August, uh, whatever, what is that? How many months that is? <laughs> I thought I would be ready and roaring. You know, like I've heard of people competing at six months. And right. so I totally thought that was going to be me. Um, I didn't even get on snow until. 14 months after my injury, which was an ACL, right? Which was ACL. Yeah. ACL, both meniscuses. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was super challenging. And I basically missed two competition seasons. I would have competed at the end of the second one, but then with COVID coming around Mm -hmm. that didn't end up happening. I had to fly home from Sweden. Yeah. So you start with an ACL and then, you know, there's this realization along the way that it wasn't going to heal in that in that natural timeline, um, and that there were some complications with it. And what were those complications, and what were some of your feelings in that moment when you realized, man, I, I wanted to go attack this goal, I wanted to do everything in my power, but life, you know, kind of like like losing that one duel, you know, at that one point on the Norams, like life is dealing you something else. And yeah, what what emotions were going through your mind? So I would say at about eight months out of knee surgery, 
I realized that I had an issue when I couldn't like just like jog across the street to make a light. And someone pointed out to me like, you should be able to do that, you know? Um, so that was like the first thing that started going like through my mind. I talked to my PT, we ended up getting an MRI like the next day. And the day after that, I got surgery. It was a cyclops lesion, which is like scar tissue buildup on the front of my ACL. And from that point on, it was more of a mental battle than a physical battle. Um, I remember having thoughts of, will I ever ski again? Like, is this worth my time? Um, will I ever be myself? Like, will I ever feel like myself again? Um, and just like a lot of self-doubt. So that those were probably my feelings in that moment, just like knowing I had a long road ahead of me. Yeah, absolutely. Completely warranted feelings as well. You know, like 100% valid and those can be overwhelming in those moments for sure. But I think, you know, looking back now as you continued along your timeline of recovery and gotten to a point where you are now, you know, maybe really interesting to look and, and find the ways in which you grew out of those emotions and, and built some, you know, real mental strength and perseverance and patience around those things. Um, were you able to adapt to that new timeline that you're being dealt with the um, Cyclops lesion on your own? Or were there other factors that helped you kind of mentally adjust like, okay, it's not going to be that timeline, it's going to be this one. And how do I, you know, try and stay mentally um, positive about that? Yeah, so I actually had uh, two sports psychologists that helped me out. Um, as I said before, like, the mental aspect was super difficult. And I think you talked about like timelines and stuff like that. But in reality, like I had no timeline, which was probably like the hardest part about it. Because like that was the problem that like I didn't have like something to look forward to. Like I just like didn't know how my body was going to react to each step and like progress. Mm -hmm. So I think like I would get my hopes up, like, oh, you're gonna get on snow this month. Oh nope, sorry, you're not ready yet. And like that happened for seven months straight. Mm -hmm. Which was like probably the hardest part there like that there was no timeline. Yeah, unknown, like ambiguity around that. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I feel for you on that. I, there's definitely like I know when I have goals, like I want to break them down into a timeline. I want to have a checklist and know how to get through it. But it's the nature of, yeah, respecting your body too, right? It's just yeah. feeling it out. Yeah. And I think we can kind of relate that to like the situation that we're in now, like in the world, like there is no timeline. Nobody knows when stuff is going to open back up and when life is going to get back to normal. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like maybe some of the mental um, skills and, and adjustments that you've made and learned from through your um, recovery physically have helped you handle this situation with COVID mentally? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think I kind of have a weird perspective on this whole COVID thing and patience. Like I've been like looking for patience, um, which is like in like my bike rides, like when my bike rides, like feel like they're taking forever. Like mm -hmm. that's just like, well, you, you know. also go so far. Yeah. <laughs> you do go forever. She bikes forever guys. <laughs> uh, and I think like, feel like when you're feeling eager like while this is going on just like seeking that patience yeah and, like that patience like just like comes with these like long rides you just like I have no idea when it's going to end and it's kind of just like I don't know you can you can live it and do things you enjoy and instead of like freaking out like everybody's in the same boat and in, in reality it's out of your control yeah I mean it seems like being present and being in the moment can be such a positive um, force 
in in the unknown situations that you know you've been in and, and now we're in again and even on those rides it's just like okay I can't worry about what I still have ahead of me I can just focus on where I'm at now and mm-hmm. whether it's like doing um you know the reps for rehab or just keeping your feet pedaling or just you know taking it day by day with COVID like it's I think the power yeah. of being in the present can really um really support that idea of having patience yeah for sure yeah so um you're waiting kind of for a normal season now again uh, yes and it's just which may not be <laughs> which may not be right absolutely um which is also an unknown but what what do you think it'll mean to you because you ha- you were going to have the opportunity to compete over um in Europe and then you got the note or that you got the call or or the um update that you guys all had to come home right before you're about to get on snow and start to get back into you know what what was normal for you and and the routine um what did that feel like and and what do you kind of envision now your return to be like um i think going back to what i was saying before with like delayed gratification i think it's going to be a scenario like that just keep working hard and doing what i'm doing and not like let myself get steered off track um, because I still have those goals. I still have those ambitions. They're just like eight months delayed and, you know, there's not much I can do about that. Um, but also I think there's like a tricky line between being patient and like being lazy. Mm. Like you can like putting something off is can be laziness, but sometimes for patients, like you have to put that thing off, which kind of ties into getting back on snow and all that. So there's a tricky line for sure between patience and laziness. Yeah, that's that's a really good distinction. Um, I I really like that point that you just made, and the fact that like you still, I mean, you're still like going after your workouts. You're still staying in shape. You're still training. Like just because we're in this lull doesn't mean that you're not still like focused. Like if if something were to change tomorrow, like you want to be able to be up and ready to go. Um, yeah. And so in that sense, not lazy at all. But yeah, right. Try not. Also, got to be able to roll with the punches too. And right. Yeah. Flexibility. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to one thing that you mentioned earlier where you kind of started to have these doubts like, man, I don't, am I going to be back to normal again? Am I going to be able to be healthy and feel like myself? You know, is this worth my time? Is this worth, you know, grinding it out to try and, you know, get, get back to where I was or even better? Um, has it been worth it? Uh, it has definitely been worth it. It was tough. Like I remember specific moments, like talking with my sports psychologist, like, like, is this my time to quit? Is this like my body telling me no? Like, is this the end of my career? And like that, like brought like so many tears and emotions. Like I didn't want that to be the case. And it was kind of just a waiting game. And then, you know, coming out the other side, I don't know. Do you think this is going to add something to, um, you know, how you perform once you're back? I think so. I think like one at training, like I'll never be like, Oh, like, I can't believe I'm, I've been here for so long. Like I will never take training for granted ever again Yeah. <laughs> in my entire life. Uh, and like, just like, see, like I remember being on the couch and just like seeing my teammates ski and compete just like, yeah, I, that feeling of like, man, am I ever going to be able to do that again? And now that I can do that is like the coolest thing. And I think that I've like fought this like really hard battle and it took a long time and patience and perseverance that I think it's really going to help me out in the long run. Yeah, no doubt. 
no doubt about that. I can't help but thinking as you're talking about like delayed gratification and we're on the topic of um, this YouTube video. I don't know if you've ever seen it of little kids eating marshmallows, the marshmallow test. Oh, yes. When there's like a marshmallow in front of them and if they, yeah, if they don't eat it or they yeah, eat it. Yeah. So for anyone listening who doesn't know of this, it's, um, you know, little kids get, you know, put in a room with a paper plate with a marshmallow on it and they're told um, we're going to leave for a couple minutes, maybe five minutes. And if we come back and you haven't eat the, eaten the marshmallow, you get two marshmallows. So <laughs> reward for delayed gratification, but you're also free to eat the marshmallow if you'd like. And there's a camera on them and you see these little kids sitting in front of this marshmallow, like really, really trying to put it off, you know, like just taking small bites, pretending like they didn't eat it. Other kids just shove the thing in their mouth right off the bat. Um, but it's it's really funny. And there's been a lot of... Um, a lot of other like studies that have shown that those are skills that have like gone on to allow those young kids which just kind of like a predisposition or you know a certain mindset around delayed gratification like it is an indicator of um, going on to to be successful in other factors of their life not just eating marshmallows but super right. interesting it's, it's crazy i was played a factor like the kids that have waited yeah have had yeah this patient skill set that they somehow acquired as a young kid and it's really amazing. And it's funny because me as a child, like I'd be like, what are you guys doing? I'm going to eat this marshmallow. Yeah. But now I would totally wait for the second marshmallow. <laughs> like just like learning all these things. Yes. Yeah. Everyone wait for the second marshmallow in life. It's worth it. <laughs> yes, definitely. And then you get two. <laughs> Big takeaway of the day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Um, yeah. So what have you kind of been doing to keep yourself uh busy, organized, fulfilled, happy during, uh, quarantine? Um, I would say I've been doing a lot of like as many activities as I can, uh, workouts, bike rides, uh, a lot of FaceTiming, a lot of zoom calls, nice. uh, code names over zoom. That's a really fun one. <laughs> Recommend that. <laughs> um, and then baking, cooking a lot, doing some house projects, cleaning up, um, yeah, I'm trying to live like my life as normally as I can right now. It kind of doesn't feel super different, honestly, which is good. Mm -hmm. I've only been bored like at least eight weeks. I've only been bored three times. So I feel pretty good about that. And um, as far as fulfillment, I would say I get fulfilled. Like I like to make a checklist every day. I like to have like things that are at certain times. And like that just makes me feel like I'm on track and I have a routine. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great call. I definitely, I have a checklist as well. Um, just keeps the brain organized and, and sort of. So normal. rewarding. Yeah. You get to check something else. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, awesome. Well, we can wrap up with some rapid fire questions here if you're ready for them. Sure. Awesome. So the first one is that the sideline perspective as a community is built around supporting each other as total teammates um, and just showing up for each other in all aspects of life, not just, you know, on the hill or um, on snow, but as people. And what to you is the biggest key to being a total teammate? The biggest key uh, to being a total teammate for me is being there to laugh with your teammates when things get like really hard in the gym or like really tough on the mountain. I have this one memory of it being like sleeting and like super windy in Australia one day. And like our coach made us hike the middle section like 12 times, which is like, it's like 150 meters. It was pretty brutal. And our gloves are just like soaked. Clothing is soaked. 
Um, and me and my teammate were singing on the way back up to get off the mountain. Like, don't stop believing. Yeah. I think just being there for your teammates and getting them to laugh. And yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Humor, humor can get you through a lot. A I've, lot. I've learned that actually during COVID, there's like some meme accounts that have really kept me, kept me going. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Next one is just simply to finish the sentence. I am. I am genuinely myself and I'm not afraid to show it. Nice. Yes. <laughs> As someone who's had the pleasure to really get to know you, I completely agree with that. Thank you. <laughs> Next one. What does a race day look like for you now? Uh, so I haven't had a race day in two years, but when I think back to race day, actually I did a uh, four run this past year and I, I count that as a race day yeah. to keep me going. But uh, race day looks like wake up, eat a massive breakfast. I get pretty nervous. So eating is like super crucial. Uh, do a warm up, train the course, compete. And then you have to wait three hours, like in between finals, because the men have to warm up and then compete. So that's also like another form of patience mm -hmm. and like calming your nerves. And uh, I like to like sit there with my headphones on, do some stretches and kind of just like keep my mind off of things until I get back. Um, and then after the competition, do recovery or workout, depending on if it's like the last day of competition or if it's like a middle day of competition. And then eat a lot of food and sleep. Yeah, always important. Yes. <laughs> Have you found um, any way to kind of get similar feelings or similar vibes, you know, in your time since having that like literal race day? Have you been able to kind of like structure something that feels, you know, like you're exciting and you're preparing for besides that? I mean, like if not, I totally understand. Like there's, there's very few things that can really truly replicate that, but just curious if like your mind has shifted that um that preparation idea towards something else in the meantime yeah I have this weird like visual thing where like I can see something like super well and like if I close my eyes I can see it in my head so when I watch my runs like I get like that same like angst and fire like within me that I do at the top of a course so just like watching my video or watching someone else's video like I can like just envision myself doing it it's like yeah I got that that's sweet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like using mental imagery and visualization, so key, especially when you can't do the thing that you actually want to do. Yeah. All right. Last one here. What part of your future career and, and going forward from here are you most excited for and most afraid of? Ooh, that's a good question. This one took me a while. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to test new waters, kind of see like where my next place is in life. Uh, I want to potentially get my real estate license. Um, that's like something that really interests me. Like I could look at houses all day long. Mm -hmm. um, I want to have kids. Um, and then I'm afraid that I'm not like knowledgeable enough in the real world. Mm. Like I'm afraid that I don't have that level of education or like I haven't like gone through like the normal, which I'm not mad about, but I think I'm going to have to have a big learning curve with that. Yeah. And I mean, I, to, to fit in perfectly with our theme for today that's going to take patience too you know like you've spent so long investing in a career and in a craft that you are you know one of the best in the world at and like that is such an incredible thing to accomplish and to um, feel and to hold on to and then moving into something else like it's really just the fact that like yeah maybe other people have been focusing on some of those real real world things quote unquote 
um, right. you know, a little bit earlier or they, they've shifted their attention at a different point than you. And it's more just like, okay, patience that that stuff will come. And like, but it's hard not to compare, right? Like, man, yeah. I, I felt it even like leaving, leaving college, like, shoot, I didn't get the same work experience that some of my peers did while they were at school. Cause I was spending my off seasons or my time away from school training for hockey and needing to like give myself the, the grace and, and the understanding that, okay, in time it'll come and like that everyone's on their own path in that. And so I have sincere confidence in your ability to, to find that path when the day comes, definitely not here yet. You got a lot of skiing ahead of <laughs> you and, and some, uh, some big goals to chase there, but I do, do have confidence in your ability to like take all those things and, you know, just what we've talked about that you've learned throughout your experiences and translate that to something incredible, whether it's real estate or, or family or whatever you choose after. Yeah, for sure. And it's cool to see like, I don't know, like you have those same thoughts, but now you're crushing it in the real world. So, you know, it's good to have some inspiration too. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show and getting to chat today and really excited to seeing you progress um, throughout the summer and hopefully getting a normal season in this fall and winter. Fingers yeah. crossed for that, for sure. Yeah, for sure. If people want to follow you, learn more about you, where can they go? Uh, they can follow me on Instagram at, at Avi Short. It's like Avi Tall, but Avi Short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or I have a blog, which is talltheMogulSkier.com. Or you can find me on Facebook as Avi Tall Shimko. All right. I will link all of those in the show notes so people will be sure to find you. Um, yeah, guys, show her some love and some support. She's an incredible mm-hmm. human. So. Thanks, Avatar. Thanks, Mac. Thanks for having me on the show. That's a wrap on today's episode with Avatar. Thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to go to the sidelineperspective.com to read our stories, learn more about what the sideline perspective is all about. Follow on Instagram at the sideline perspective for more constant updates and content. And hit subscribe if you like this podcast and you want to hear more. Catch you next time.